Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 112. And we still don't have a Night Vale episode. I know. They're being so good at a hiatus this year. Uh, Yeah, this year. This, well, th- they usually have a summer hiatus or a fall hiatus, too, don't they? Yeah, they kind of deserve the hiatuses considering how many podcasts they got going on and live shows and books and everything else. All this stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, you guys rest up for a little while. We'll catch you again in February. Yeah, we know that we can find something else to talk about. Case in point, <laughs> Catherine and Nathan just finished watching the newest season of Peaky Blinders. Fine, like just tonight, finished watching it. And it was a bit of a bloodbath, but not as big of a bloodbath as I was afraid it was going to be. No, and they certainly, well, okay, first of all, giant spoilers in case you haven't finished watching Peaky Blinders, because we can't dance around some of the major plot points. I could not believe that the younger brother was killed, like, so quickly. Yeah, um, John, in, what was it, the first episode of the season got killed off? And I kept thinking it was a mistake. I thought, it's a trick, Uh, he'll still be alive, it was something to throw off their enemies. No, they did that in the last episode. (laughs) Oh my god, yeah. So that was, I had a little yay moment when Arthur walks in, but I did almost suspect that maybe that was what was happening because in the first few people who were notified about what had happened you didn't hear tom actually saying arthur's dead ah got it yeah no it's true you would kind of the reaction shots wouldn't have been enough for like a major major character but it is kind of cool that they set it up in the beginning of the season you know what surprised me was michael getting thrown out of the family at the very ending and it was for the oddest reason it was that polly it looked like she was setting up thomas to be killed in order to save michael and she Mm -hmm. told michael that was what she was doing but she had actually worked out with Tom to make it look like that's what she was doing. So he could try to set up the Changretas to get killed when they thought they were ambushing him. And yet, when it all comes down, Michael didn't actually tell Tom that that was what was happening, that Polly had set him up, said absolutely nothing about him. And that made him, it was a betrayal of Tom. I'm like, oh, that that really seems like entrapment right there. I was just going to say that's the very definition of entrapment. You know, you didn't respond to this completely faked situation the way you should have. So you're out of the family. I'm like, no, that seems wrong. I don't know about that. Yeah. And you know, what was another thing that shocked the heck out of me? Okay, so all of this, the Shangretas coming after the Peaky Blinders in season three, that was because... In season two, Lizzie, Thomas's on-again, off-again fling, had been seeing Angel Changretta, which I think is maybe one of the youngest members of the family. And yes. the Peaky Blinder said, no, that's not acceptable. You can't be hanging out with this guy. And she insisted on doing it. So they beat the crap out of Angel. And I think blinded him. I think they I like, think either so cut too. him yes, really badly or cut out of his eyes, whatever. And Angel's father decided to take revenge by having an assassin take out Thomas, instead accidentally killing Grace, Thomas's wife. The whole idea that it was Lizzie seeing the younger Shangretta that started all of this never came up, not once in the entire season. Yeah, but I mean, Arthur did take responsibility for everything that had happened. I mean, he and 
um, John, yes, they were the ones who had beaten the kid up and blinded him. And then I believe they had also killed the father of the family, too, right? Yeah, because, After, uh, to retaliate for Grace. Right. Well, Thomas was going to torture him to death and cut out his eyes and whatever. And then I think it was yeah. John that shot the guy instead because he didn't yeah. want Thomas to become the person that would do something like that. So, yeah, right. it's right. All, all involved and people behaving badly in pretty much any way you possibly can leading to all this. But I just, I thought it was very odd that, you know, they never even mentioned, well, you know, if you had stopped dating him, like we told you to. So not, yeah, not but that I, would, I kind of, I wouldn't have agreed with them saying something like that. I mean, it is her damn business. And certainly I don't think Thomas is ever going to love her the way she wants him to, but still they would have been thinking that I would have thought, especially in that day and age. Yeah. I wonder if it's because, even they realized it's like she shouldn't have been dating him fine beating up the kid and blinding him that's actually what started everything True. if she had stopped seeing him fine if she had continued seeing him fine the bloodshed came from them beating him up not yeah. from her dating him and so uh, it's actually pretty evolved of the creators of the show i guess that they were like well if you had minded us this wouldn't have <laughs> happened you know if you had known your place and they decided yeah, that's problematic. Let's not go there. But, you know, it's true. The The bloodshed was what actually started everything, not her dating the kid. Yeah, yeah. But I'm wondering how, because they have renewed this for season five. So yes. the way they left the season four was Thomas winning uh, a seat on Parliament, which yeah. I... I have been deliberately not reading about the historic gang of the Peaky Blinders because I don't want to know what actually happened. I want it to right. be a surprise. And that's the thing. I remember my friends Darcy and Leah laughing at me at one point because when I was watching The Tudors, uh -huh. which I thought was a fabulous show, and then they were saying, oh, did you get to the bit where the wife had done blah, blah, blah? And I was like, no, 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 don't tell me. Don't spoil it. And they're like, it's history. And I said, yeah, but I'm bad at history, so I can be surprised. So this is, I'm doing the exact same thing with Peaky Blinders right now. Exactly. Yes. Um, where the holy hell was I going with that last sentence? Something about winning a seat on Parliament? You've yeah, been deliberately yeah. not looking? Yeah. And <laughs> the fact that he's now with Lizzie, because of course, Lizzie's given birth to another child of his, but I'm wondering how that's going to go in season five, because I don't know yet that he's actually committing to her. I think he's yeah. committing to the fact that she's the mother of his child. But that's not the same thing. And he is still, yeah. he's got, what is it, Jesse, the leader of the communist group that he's yeah. shacking up with? That's still his bit on the side, but he's going to have to convince her that she's more than that if she's going to keep feeding him information. Yeah, he's he does like to make his life awfully complicated, I swear. Oh. And then the bit with Lizzie when... He took Lizzie to that one spot that he would always hook up with his girlfriend when he was much, much younger, the mm -hmm. one who had died. And he took her there and they had sex there. And remember, your response was like, oh, Lizzie, sweetie, no. I, <laughs> this is, I actually no. said out loud, oh, Lizzie, this isn't healthy. And I thought maybe she, because she asked him, are you fucking me or fucking her? And he said, I'm fucking you. I don't think she believed. It. In fact, she actually said that because when she told him she was pregnant and she said, yes, it's you, that time at the canal when you were fucking somebody else in your head. I'm like, well, thank yes. you. At least Lizzie knows what the score is. Well, she used to work as a prostitute, right? Yes, I mean, exactly. I know that she was having sex with him kind of as a prostitute, kind of not just to get over Grace and everything. But she had been like, honestly, a prostitute. And wasn't she actually like... John had fallen in love with her and they had to convince John that this wasn't a good idea. And then in the end, Tom is with her. It's complicated. It's really complicated. Yeah, and they actually, 
managed to convince John that Lizzie was still sleeping with people for money because Thomas offered her money and she said, <laughs> sure. And I'm like, oh, that's so unfair because you can tell the entire time the way she feels about Thomas. She probably might have accepted it if he'd asked without offering money. So just to have yep. any other person offering her money for sex when she was engaged to John, she might have turned him down. But with Thomas, no. It's always no. been Thomas. The storyline is so convoluted, but it's it's really worth it to get through all of the twists and turns. It's also a really brilliantly filmed show. The thing that they do with the music, where they have modern music playing in this period piece, and I remember telling a co-worker that, I said, oh yeah, it's modern music playing in a period piece. He's like, mm, that wouldn't work for me. I'm like, no, you have to listen to it. You have to give it a chance, because it works really, really it well. It does. And all the different um, versions of Red Right Hand that they have. Yes. That's, I would not have believed there'd been that many people that covered that particular song. But I would imagine there's a bunch more that are doing it with the hopes of like, can we get featured? Can we get featured on an episode? (laughs) We need to have at least a few more coverage for next season. Yep, that's exactly right. So, and I don't, I know all of this is going to have to end bloody because I can't imagine too many of these people dying old in their beds. I think it's just going to end up being a bloodbath at some point. But I was surprised as many people survived as they did this season, considering how they started out the season. It was actually really, like, aside from Thomas having to decide between two women, which, you know, not bad for him, but not great for the women... But it was actually kind of a happy ending, in a way. In a way. I mean, yeah, Michael's off in America, and John's dead, and the women are being screwed over in a way, but otherwise, happy. Happy, sort of, I guess. Certainly happier than last season. Yeah, when they all got dragged off to prison. Still very surprised that anybody forgave him after that one. That's a lot. Yeah, I totally bought that Polly was actually setting up Thomas for real. She was that mad at him because she got very close to not being able to walk away from that one. Yeah, it was also really believable how far off the rails she went for a while there. She's just kind of considering that, no, they put the noose around my neck and seconds later I was released. So technically I actually died and everything else is just a bonus. So that's, that was crazy. But it's... It's really, the visuals are so neat. They do a lot of great stuff. Like, I'm not usually a fan of slow-mo. You know, John Woo, director, usually just stomps it into the ground. But slow-mo here always looks so pretty. I really like it. Especially when it's a power walk by either Cillian Murphy or him and his entire posse. I mean, that always looks so badass. But I also saved a screen cap of that scene where... Tom takes Lizzie to the spot where he's absolutely not having sex with his dead girlfriend. And it's just this scene, seen through the tunnel of the river and all the greenery and the silhouettes and everything. And I took a screen cap because I'd love to do a pencil drawing of it. It's oh, really that would be nice. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. So we'll see if that actually happens. Okay. I've got enough projects. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about the season? No, no. Now I'm just like, okay, how much longer until they release the next season? Oh, how much longer until they start filming the next season? I think they said an estimated 2019 for the next season to be released. So, a while. (sighs) Yeah, and I was... Nathan wasn't very enamored with season three, but I kind of liked it. I liked how it started with the crazy-ass wedding of Thomas and Grace and the total insanity of having the Russian nationalists and trying to plan a war and getting paid in Fabergé eggs. I mean, yes, it was crazy, but it was entertaining crazy. It was also nice to see Alexander Siddig have such a major role last season. Where did he go? What happened to him? I thought they ended things on a good note and then he wasn't around anymore. Maybe they weren't able to get 
get him back, the actor back? I mean, I thought it would have been perfectly believable that when Polly finally decided she's going to embrace life because she's already died, so everything now is a freebie. But for sure, that would have been a great opportunity for her to hunt up an old lover. And they just did such a... He was another character. He's kind of like... I don't know, maybe a little bit like Bob in Stranger Things, that the Alexandra Siddig's character, you thought, oh, he's actually a spy, or he's just a rake, and he's using her for her money or her connections. Or he only thinks that he likes playing dangerously, but as soon as he sees just how dangerous she really can be, he's going to back away in terror, and no, none of that happened. No, he was exactly, he was really freaking in love with her, and I just loved that. I thought that was neat. So that'd be my vote for the creators of the show. Please bring back Alexander Siddick. Yes, please. So the only other thing we had to talk about this week was that you finally got caught up on Transformers Lost Light. I know. God, it took me ages and ages to do that because I just, ever since Christmas, it's been so crazy. I have not been able to make my Friday afternoon run to the comic book store, but I finally did. I had eight books waiting for me and I've only gone through a few of them. But yeah, read both the, um, I think it was part two and part three of the Mutineers trilogy. And I read your review of part two and, Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, um, I knew they were making a comment on, you know, politics of today in the real world with some of the way that Getaway is acting. But when I read your review, it really brought it home what they were doing about that. Because Getaway, I mean, I think it was a little over the top to have someone give him bad news at one point and him shout fake news at them. But still, I guess that did kind of drive it home. Yeah. I had a commenter on that review who was like, I don't know if I quite see this. I mean, I get where you're going with it. I'm reading it right now. And I guess I can see the parallels, but I'm not sure I agree with that. And then a few minutes later, they put a comment. Oh, I just got to the fake news thing. And yeah, you're right. That's what he was going for. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty obvious at that point. But mm." yeah, if you guys ever have a chance to go to TF Wiki, which is is like the best resource for the Transformers comics out there. Take a look at the recap for that particular issue. And they go into everything that happened, and then they have a notes section. And I think he was actually poking more at the whole Brexit situation and far-right people in the UK but he was also poking at Trump. No, most definitely. And, you know, he is across the pond. So up until I saw the fake news thing, I was convincing myself. I'm like, nah, it's probably a Brexit thing, probably a fake news. Yeah, no, it's Trump too, but that's, uh, that's okay. Yeah, and I was, I don't know, that there was one quote that they put in the actual recap. It was a getaway saying, I have to trick them into trusting me again. And that was getaway in a nutshell, which is, yeah, yeah that's, I mean, his whole thing is that he's obsessed with the idea of being good enough to be a leader. He wants everyone to acknowledge that he's good enough to be leader, that he's qualified, that everybody likes him the best. He is not interested in doing the right thing. He doesn't really want to lead. He doesn't want to actually do anything that's required of a leader. He just wants the title. And he also is obsessed with the idea of being a prime without a matrix. And he had that whole bit where he was talking about how he had a matrix affinity and it's just all like almost like the Transformers version of an old wives tale you know my eyes are the right color blue and when I touch this this happens and everything and it's all like all of these mean that if I actually had the matrix I would be able to align with the matrix and be a prime myself and he is just self-deluding all over the place. Yeah, he even gets to the point where he's like, it's so much more egalitarian that I could be a prime without actually having the Matrix. So he's he's convincing himself that 
being a matrix holder doesn't actually require the matrix to be anywhere near you, which is, I mean, he's, I don't know. It, a lot of it is reminding me of Cerebus. And this is something that I thought about yes. a while ago. The reasons why the in the Cerebus comics by Dave Sim, if you guys haven't read it, I don't Ooh. even know if I can recommend it because, you know, Dave Sim is just crazy cuckoo pants all over the place. But Talk about somebody who went off the rails, God. Holy cow. But he deliberately writes Cerebus as an infuriating character. And it occurred to me at one point, the main reason why is because of what Cerebus wants without any of the drawbacks. So he, and I wrote it down here, he wants money and wealth without working for it. He wants yes. to have lots of liquor, but no hangovers. Yes. Uh, he wants sex without having to deal with relationships, and he wants mm -hmm. power without responsibility. And most importantly, he wants to be loved, but he doesn't want to have to bother with doing anything that would actually earn somebody's love. Absolutely. I mean, it's just like, you, that character exists in a lot of places. I was thinking Klaus over in the originals, but even Klaus is willing to work hard for something. You yeah. know, Klaus wants loyalty without doing anything to deserve it. He wants love without doing anything to deserve it. But when it comes to actually like running people or control or whatever, he will work himself down to the bone. But, you know, it's just that whole love and respect thing. He's not quite so much with that. But, no, you know. no, I'm actually just, um, I think I'm like... Yeah, i am uh, watched the fifth episode of the first season now. I've caught up to that point because I decided if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to do it from the very beginning. And I'm really mm. enjoying it. And there are just, there are moments like when, oh, the whole storyline with the uh, bartender Cammy and the fact that her brother was an up-and-coming priest and he suddenly went crazy and murdered everybody. And she's talking to Klaus and she's figured out if Klaus is able to use compulsion on her, that means somebody could have done that to her brother, and maybe he didn't actually go crazy. And Klaus tells her he's going to have to erase her memory of that, and she's begging him not to, and he's telling oh, her, yeah. no, I have to do this, because if you think that, you will go out and hunt up the person who did that, and I can't have that happening right now. But you could tell he really hated doing it. He did it anyway, but he hated oh, doing yeah. it. And yeah, in those first few seasons, anything with Elijah, I just love. I just thought he was such a nuanced character. I felt like he got a little less nuanced as the season went on. The actor himself has some kind of like acting shortcuts that he does that I'm not 100% behind anymore. But in the early episodes, I really liked him. Oh, I thought yeah. he's very fun to watch. Well, I think the beginning of episode six in the first season, I'm looking forward to watching that one again, because I remember it as being one of my favorite openers. It's them, um, Elijah and Klaus, reading books in the, uh, the drawing room. Yes, with the dead body sitting in between them. Exactly, yes. And that, that bit with Rebecca dragging the body out through the kitchen and asking Haley and Elijah, sounds great, who do we have to kill? And Elijah says, probably no one. And Haley gives him a look. He says, all right, possibly everybody. <laughs> they had some really good moments. I just, I feel like the way that they ended this most recent season, mm -hmm. it, it would be good to just stop there. That is a really good stopping point. I'm sure they filmed it that way just in case it didn't get renewed. Apparently they did get renewed and I do believe a showrunner has left. Oh, and so I'm no. like, I know. And I'm like, oh, that just doesn't work, you guys. I mean, I'm not saying the show is going to be bad, but it is going to be a completely different show from the one that we loved. So why not just let it go? Uh, well, and I'm also catching up on Vampire Diaries. I think I have 49 more episodes to go before oh, I finish up the entire season. So I'm in the, mm. the whole bit with um, Caroline 
turning off her humanity and all oh. that fallout. Uh, in case you're wondering, it doesn't last as long as you might fear. Okay. Well, that's good. I always feel like the times when Stefan turned off his humanity, I was always like, yeah, just turn your humanity back on. This is going on too long. But with her, I think they wrapped it up fairly fast. Okay, because it was entertaining for an episode for her to be the total bitch. But now I'm kind of tired of it. Yeah, that's how I usually get. And I don't know, Damon... Humanity on, humanity off. He's still always Damon, so I'm just fine with yeah, that. Yeah, that's, yeah. I've, oh, those Salvatore brothers. Damon's the best. Yes, he really is. I'm sorry. I love how he talks about Stefan. I was like, come on, time to put on your hero hair and go in here. And that's <laughs> totally a phrase that I use all the time now. That's awesome. <laughs> so before we get completely off of track, so with Lost Light, you okay, read the yes. most recent issue, right? Yes. And saw the body count going on in that oh, issue? Oh, my God. Is is that was that really Mirage that got killed? I think it was. I got sliced in half. I really think he's honestly dead. Yeah. It's, and um, <gasps> Atomizer, who I barely knew before this current storyline got started, and I think Getaway was the one that killed him at the end for betraying Oh, that's him. the one. Yeah, where I mean, he's got this deal going on with Sunder, where Sunder will wipe out people's memories, but in payment, he wants like I guess the spines of undamaged people so he can suck out their tortured life essence or something. I don't know what he's doing. He's so creepy looking. Yeah, he really is. That whole storyline. And it's, I don't know. Yeah, the way you had described it in your review is that everybody is on the lost light was behind him because he told them what they needed to hear, that he just wanted to get Megatron off the ship. But then he's talking more and they're finding out that he basically handed them over to the consortium and then they got turned over to the uh, Decepticon Justice Division and everybody's just standing there going, wait, but we did we didn't sign up for any of this and he's still lying and they're they're actually watching the lies come out of his mouth and getting worse and now he's having to get the bots Freud and Sunder to change people's memories to back up all of these lies and it's just like when does it become too much I'm asking seriously because we have a real life you know example of this going on when do you get tired of lying to the point where you just want to walk away and I'm actually thinking I don't know that he would ever get tired of it getaway's personality is he'll keep doing it as long as he can get away with it but between sunder wiping memories and then killing people i mean how many people are going to be left alive by this time is done you know? and are they because they brought people they brought bots back from situations that i thought were fatal like rung in one of the first issues getting his head blown off but they were yeah. so would any of these people be salvageable that exist as like life stems floating in the alcohol in Swerve's bar? Maybe I kind of think they might go for a different route because there was something where he went through a portal this time. Mm-hmm. And for a brief moment of time, they actually went back in time a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid that what's going to happen is we're going to have a cosmic reset button. That oh, go that, like they've maybe gone a little bit too far and they're like, no, 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 no wait a minute. We didn't actually mean any of this. Yeah, I... I that may have been the plan from the beginning. I'm starting to think that James Roberts does that a little bit, like with Lug, Anode's friend. And she dies, and Anode is just devastated by it, and then they find a way to bring her back. And I'm thinking... They mm. brought her back from the trace of a spark that was inside one of the flowers that sprouted on the Necrobots world. And yeah. then that and some... Uh, Sensio Metallico, is that what the uh, the substance is called now that forms yep. around a, uh, a newborn spark? So, yeah, that was, 
Yeah, I don't know. We're talking about giant robots here, so we probably shouldn't be asking for too much realism, <laughs> but sometimes it feels like they're pulling it just a little far off track. Well, I think James Roberts just doesn't want to kill anybody that we like, but he wants to give us that little punch, you know, from them dying and everything. Well, you know... Fine. Rewind in Chrome Dome would be a prime example of that. Exactly. Exactly. We got such a punch. And I'm very glad that Rewind is back. But at the same time, you're like, I don't know. I'm not sure James Roberts has it in him to kill anybody permanently. No, I don't think so. Not even a character like Lug, who had only existed for like five or six issues before he killed her off. If there was anybody who's quote unquote safe to kill, it would have been her. But no, no, he didn't want to do that. No, I don't know. Yeah. I think I was actually hoping this whole Mutineers trilogy would get wrapped up. You know, the storyline would get wrapped up at the end of the trilogy. But no, apparently they've got more going on with that. But I don't know if we're ever going to get anything really cathartic out of the getaway storyline. Because I think what's happening here is what you're seeing in the real life version. The reason why getaway keeps getting away with all of these lies is that he honestly believes everything that's coming out of his mouth as he's saying it so you're never going to get you know the lifetime moment of saying oh my god i was wrong all this time it's just never going to happen he's always going to be he's either going to be the most qualified leader in his own mind or he's going to be the most tragic martyr in his own mind that you've ever found and that's i mean current political situation i'm not going to name any names pick a politician you don't like who's done some crappy things and do they ever really end up having that lifetime moment where they're like, I'm sorry, I betrayed your trust, and I'm a terrible person? No, they go off for therapy, or they start a different career and blame a lot of other people. And I think you're right. I think that's exactly what's going to happen with Getaway, yeah, which is well, a shame. I know. And the whole, I know the whole hashtag Me Too movement is pointing out a lot of horrific behavior. The number of people that have actually admitted that they've done something wrong without saying, but in my defense, what I really thought was, or what I was trying, you know, no, I just, don't no. no, stop. Let's let's not qualify any of our, our apologies, please, guys. Yeah, I just, I really hope that most, if not all, of the accusations are true, because it would really suck if some of this, if we'd gotten to that point where women were using it to promote their careers. And I'm like, please don't let that be happening. Please. I know, Just, I know. I, really I, I understand statistic-wise, there's a minuscule percentage of accusations that are false, but, and this is the other qualifier here, those false accusations just about all of them are not cases where someone is making up something. It is a case of mistaken identity, which is different. This is not people inventing a crime happening to them. This is people who have actually been victimized and getting the wrong person, which is still pretty fucking scary for the people who are on the receiving end of that. But this isn't a conspiracy going on of people trying to take down high-ranking people. No, except for the ones that deserve it. Yes. Oh, God. I'm really curious to see, like, 10, 15 years from now, what's this time in history going to look like? I just, I'm hoping that... Because, of course, you know, this is a sea change, and sometimes sea changes don't actually result in actual change. It's like a big, oh, my God, we've got to pay attention to this. Hey, look over there. And then, you know, nothing changes. (laughs) I'm really hoping with the number of people who are coming forward that there will be people who will think about their actions a little bit and maybe not do what they had been considering doing before or thinking about the fact that, you know what? 
this person might actually talk and everything I've worked for my entire life could be ruined. So maybe I won't do this thing that I was thinking about, not because it's wrong, but because I don't want to get in trouble about it. You know, and if, I'm if that, fine either way. If that's a motivation, well, fine, as long as you don't do it. Oh, boy, yeah, can, that's can we dance around this topic with euphemisms any more than we already have? Good God. We really can't. We always say we try not to get political on this uh, podcast, but my God, it's hard to avoid currently. It really Jeez. is. It's permeating everything right now. Yeah. But on that note, I don't have anything else to say about Transformers. No, no, I don't actually. Well, sort of. I just finished reading that annual Transformers Till All Are One as well. So the ending of that whole storyline. And I'm glad with how they wrapped it up. I think that has a lot of far-reaching effects in the Transformers universe, but I thought they did a great job with it. And I'm going to miss that writing and art team. I am too, especially with Starscream. I mean, it ended... In a surprising way. I mean, Starscream actually taking responsibility for his actions, which, my God, you know, that's what we want Getaway to do. I would be really, really, I'd be very surprised if Getaway actually had a moment where he admitted everything he had done and you actually started to like him a bit, because that's what's happened with Starscream. Yeah, and that was not at all what I was expecting. But McGreard Scott wrote a wonderful note in the end of the final issue, thanking everybody who was involved and thanking for all the fans And she said, um, she referred to this whole thing as a very odd story. A religious-minded diplomat reforms an autocratic abuse victim with the help of a ghost, her bodyguard, a geriatric living city, and a cast of drunks. Yes, and it's so true. (laughs) That's the best way to sum up Till All or One that I've heard ever. Yep, so uh, I'm going to miss it. I hope both of those... The writer and the um, artist, all t- the whole art team all go on to do many, many other things. I'll be following you guys. I'm going to be stalking you because I really like this whole series. I hope that it involves giant robots, but I will read it even if it doesn't. Well, That's how far my love goes. Talking about politics just working their way into everything, Windblade's speech to the Cybertronians at the end... That really seemed like a reflection of what we want the best of our countries to be. The idea that we're not going to do the thing that damages the least amount of people. We're going to try to do something where we recognize all of our differences and we work together to make the best thing that we can out of this whole country. Exactly. Yeah. I, and then what was it? Um, rat something. Starscream's rat trap. Toady. Rat trap. Exactly. He said something about that he would rather do good than be good yeah i think was the line that's that's a really good line i mean it really is that's quite you know hair splitting right there but i can understand what he's talking about yeah exactly i mean i think a lot of people feel like they're not a good person which i think is understandable it's kind of the human condition but I, i don't think you have to be a good person to do good so i think that's what stops a lot of people from doing good it's like you know that's that's not really me you know that's not you know why should i bother doing this if i'm not gonna live my whole entire life as some kind of paladin i'm like no just yeah. Just do good. Just when you find an opportunity, do good. Just do that. Yeah. yeah, I think Neil Gaiman has a similar quote. I can't find it. I did actually look, but I haven't been able to find it. I think it was on his Twitter feed. It hasn't made it into brainy quotes yet. <laughs> but it was about somebody had written him about how they didn't think that they were a good person and they kind of wanted to know what to do about it. And he said, 
that it's one of those things where you can actually just fake being a good person. Like if you don't think you're a good person, just do good things. Act the way you think a good person would act and then everything else sort of follows for it. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that. Cool. I like that. Yeah, this needs to be. So that's a good note to wrap it up. I think so. <laughs> Didn't want to wrap on a real pessimistic note. Jeez. But. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all of the book reviews, all the comic book reviews, the podcast, the video game reviews, the photo galleries. Jane and I stopped by Condor Convention in San Diego go it is a tiny convention <laughs> it is very very small that's fine they've all got to start somewhere exactly and these guys it was you know had some very nice booths i bought a neat little skirt for my steampunk costume and that's seriously go to local conventions to buy stuff because you're not going to get a lot of mass-produced stuff and you're going to be able to buy stuff that you would never really be able to afford on the comic-con sales floor and the people are nice and got some good cosplay shots and apparently it wasn't marketed very well this year, so it was really slow, but I talked to somebody who said most of the organizers had been down with the flu this year, which is definitely a thing. Yeah, so. it really is. Kind of scary, you guys. All take care of yourselves, because this one's a doozy this year. And I don't hesitate going to your doctor if you feel really, really bad, because apparently that's what's getting people in trouble. They're like, ah, it's just the flu. I can weather my way through it. And then they don't. So uh, yeah. definitely take care. But we will have a photo gallery of some cosplay and some of the sales floor and some of the neat things that we saw there so all of that pixelatedgeek.com i guess i guess next week we might have a welcome to night vale episode might actually i'm going to be on the road but we can always record via my phone and then send you my half of the recording and do all that technical stuff that us podcasters do that's right we may just do that uh, you're going to be in massachusetts yes right? actually just outside of uh, boston and traveling for business which i told Elizabeth, that I'm still having to fight this urge to tell everybody, wait, I can't survive in the wild. Why are you sending me to Boston? (laughs) Seriously, anytime I go to another state, I'm like, there needs to be someone there that I know, preferably a family member, to point the way and tell me where I need to go. Yes, please. I need the designated grown-up to tell me what I need to do, because I'm (laughs) going to be lucky if I can even find the laundry section of the hotel that I'm staying in. I mean, I'm that clueless about surviving on my own. Nah, you'll be fine. You'll be good. And then you'll be able to do it again the next time, but better. That better, yes. So one way or the other, we will figure something out, I'm sure. So we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. Take a little walk to the edge of town. Go across the tracks. Where the viaduct looms like a bird of doom as it shifts and cracks. Secrets lie in the border fires in the home and wise. Hey man, you know you're never coming back. Past the square, past the bridge, past the mills, past the stacks. On a gathering stone comes a tall as a man in a dusty black coat with a red right hat. down walking all over the microphone is that the cat hang on is that the cat i think so sounds like it she's rustling something hang a minute
No. We know what happens when you play with plastic bags. You get stuck. Get out. Get out. Get out of the bag. Out of the bag. Get out. Come on <laughs> Bizarre cat. <laughs> Can we please record a podcast now? God. <laughs>